Welcome to Toe to Toe for the latest and greatest in all things sneakers and streetwear. We're your hosts, Andra and David, and today we have a very special guest. Today we have with us Andra Florence, a film and photography student at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. Hi, Flo. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Thank you for having me. So, yeah, we wanted to invite, invite Andy because she's really passionate about that passionate about movies and film. And she's, she's, she's not a sneakerhead in that sense, but she's very conscious of the movies that have good sense of style and that's where we connect. So we wanted to really share that, that connection of both worlds. So Flo, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background before we get into a couple of movies that we're gonna be discussing. Well, I've always been interested in film and photography. Lately, I've been noticing how companies like A24 have been taking into thought how important iconography in film is and the potential for selling it. And I think that's very interesting. And it's interesting to see how films that have important sneakers and important fashion miss the opportunity in making them into like a selling point. Exactly. Do you think that fashion like kind of really changes the sense of a film? I think it really does change it. And it's maybe not noticeable for any for everyone. But if you really pay attention, it can change the whole film and it can change its whole meaning. And it can mean so much to people that find connection with certain pieces or this, a certain way that uh, styles the uh, clothes are styled. So I think it's very important to take a deeper look into this. Exactly. So today we are going to be talking about a few films that its fashion and the sneakers that it includes has become very iconic and like very recognizable. Yeah, the, the film that I first thought about when we talked about doing this podcast, this episode was the Life Aquatic with Steve Sisu, a film by Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson always has very iconic costumes and colors. The blue onesies and the red beanies yeah. are so iconic. And actually it's really insane because they never made them like massively, like they never produced the onesies or the beanies. Like if you want to buy them, you have to kind of like- Yeah, like buy replicas probably like on Etsy stuff like that yeah especially when the movie like came out i feel like that could have been such an amazing thing to sell because everyone everyone that watches a movie till this day is like oh i want that beanie oh i want to dress like that in halloween you know for this film particularly adidas made a one-of-one sneaker for steve sisu they remade the model the adidas rom which was originally released in 1959 they made one pair of this like beautiful like white leather with blue blue three stripes and it became like the most iconic adidas sneaker in film like to a point where people were going crazy and begging adidas for them to release for them to release and they never actually did until 2017 they released a hundred pairs only that were sold in paris and now they resell for crazy crazy amounts and that's crazy because, like, first of all, the amount of time it took for Adidas to actually listen to the fans and release the shoes 
like yeah it's big brands like underestimating how much diehard film fans like want these things like because it's part of our identity like that's why we have posters that's why we have like coffee table books like because it's part of our, our identity like and it's very important to have that kind of iconography like available to you to wear because it's part of you like Exactly. And that's why I feel like A24 is doing such a great job. That's why everything they drop sells out because they're taking such important like elements of their films and turning them into things, objects that people can own and like brag about and wear. Yeah. Like they're really listening to their audience and what people want. Yeah, and it creates such like a great sense of community because then you see someone on the street wearing an A24 shirt and you're like, oh, like we would be friends. And it's different, those shows are different from like the the usual like Pulp Fiction shirt, you know? It's like, it's more niche and it's still, it still serves for the same purpose as like the Pulp Fiction shirt of like someone being like, oh, you like films? Oh, you <laughs> like Tarantino, yeah. you know? But it's it's more niche and it's more, I don't know, it's more special, I feel. And then talking about Tarantino, then we have Kill Bill, which is not as niche. It's not as niche as Steve Sisu. Yeah. But not a lot of people notice the shoes. I'm going to say not even I knew before, like, actually researching. Did you know that the soul says, fuck you? That's crazy. Like, I know, obviously, like, Uma Thurman's uh, yellow, like, head-to-toe yellow suit, which is obviously iconic. But yeah. honestly, when, when I watched the films, I, I also never noticed that she was wearing a special pair of Onitsuka Tigers slash later converted into ASICs. Yeah. They made it for the film, but then later released uh, 3,400 pairs in 2003 when the movie released. But I feel like in Kill Bill, it's much less recognizable for the sneakers. Like, I feel like there's so much action going on that you don't really like see it even. Yeah, no, I agree. And the, the whole the whole outfit that Uma is wearing, the, the, the yellow suit, yes, it's very iconic, very recognizable. But yeah, I don't feel like I've never seen anyone like try to replicate wearing the shoes, which is interesting, especially since they say fuck you in the, in the soul, like that's insane. Now I really want to have them, you know? Uma is wearing that outfit because Bruce Lee wore that exact same outfit with the exact same sneakers. So it's kind of like they paying homage to that like martial art icon that is Bruce Lee. So she's wearing that outfit because he wore it like that. So it's practically, it's practically Bruce Lee before. Yeah, but I guess you could say that uh, that outfit is instantly tied to Uma Thurman because no, it's the same outfit. They did it because of Bruce Lee. You can't say, you can't say that it's because of whom. I mean, you can't say if you're the new generation, but Bruce Lee is the one that made Uma wear that shit. Tarantino that was influenced by Bruce Lee's outfit yeah, in in the game of death. Like it wasn't. We don't know how it came about, but yeah. Bruce Lee always wore different kinds of uh, onitsukas. And I think uh, when I was researching about these shoes, I found articles in like, uh, like high beast publications, yeah. uh, like high snowbody. And I think that brings a whole new point of like how thin the line is between like 
quote unquote fine art yeah. and mass consumed hype beasticism, <laughs> new word. I like but, that. Well, that's very true. It, yeah, I think this 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 type of uh, conversation brings up the, those lines. Like, when does it stop being like niche and for the fine fine art world? And like, uh, I guess you could say for like, like film fans, you know, and they they like to be very separated from like mass consumption. But then you you see it like being mass produced. But honestly, like I think Kill Bill is such a famous and iconic movie that it surpasses just film lovers and that nicheness. Like Kill Bill specifically. 100%. Yeah. Kill Bill is huge, even bigger than Life Aquatic, like 10 times bigger. It's so recognizable that it surpasses the fine art sense. I think Tarantino in general like gets completely separated. Tarantino, you could say, is like the Jeff Koons of film, kind of. <laughs> you know, like he's yeah. already like he's already like out of the fine arts. Yeah. Like yes, maybe that's not what he would have wanted, because <laughs> it's not his fault how people like turned him into like a like an icon of like, oh, you know nothing about actual film. Yeah. Or oh, you're just wearing this shirt to like get laid. <laughs> you know? But I think that's not his fault. And it's still like, it's still fine art. Maybe, maybe mass consumed and maybe fine art loses its changes, its meaning when it's more massively consumed. But I think it's still fine art. But I feel like he's kind of separated himself from the very fine art and like niche of film and kind of wants to like appeal to more people. Definitely, he, he makes blockbusters, that's for sure. Exactly. But his films are still very like crafty and uh, thoughtful. And it's not like a, it's not, it's not a Hollywood film as you would think of. It's way more than that. The first thing I think of when I think about a sneaker in, a, in film is Forrest Gump. When we first started talking about this idea, the first shoe that ever came to mind was the Cortez that was in 1994's Forrest Gump. It's like, the even if it wasn't a one-of-one one sneaker and all of that, like, I feel like the Cortez and how, how Jenny gifts Forrest the shoe and then he opens the red box and he takes it out. It's like such an important movie, a moment of, of the film. And then he goes on to wear these Nike Cortezes and run across the country in them. I think uh, Robert Zemeckis is the director. And it's also funny because we're going to also talk about Back to the Future and Robert Zemeckis is also the director. So that makes me think like how, how, the, how Nike is so sensationalized in his films makes me think that he has some type of like deal <laughs> with them. Because it's all about the Nikes. Yeah. You know? But the, the Cortez was Nike's first ever trap shoe. Yeah, I would like to know how how the agreement came to be done. Cause yeah. yeah, I yeah, I read that the Cortez was released like way long before the movie. Yeah, it was. So I think that's interesting. And it it and and I think it's interesting how it came to be popular again after year like after all these years again. 
it feels like it's coming back and back and back like it's doing yeah. a circle no it never really leaves like it's one of nike's most iconic models and probably always will be but i find it so interesting how the cortez in forrest gump is like it's so iconic to the movie he runs cross country in this shoe and it's always like it's always there like yeah it's not just like a one-time thing that is there and then they take it out you know like it's super elemental to the film and it's one of those it's one of those pieces that you don't you don't even have to watch the film to know that they're the forest comp shoes exactly you know, like, in the colorway like that specific colorway the red with the blue like literally online like if you search for them a lot of people call them the forest gumps yeah like it's not like it doesn't have a colorway name it's just the forest gumps and also if you google it forest gump shoe comes before forest gump movie <laughs> that's insane <laughs> wow so that tells you how much how important it is to both film and sneaker and sneaker worlds yeah no definitely and so long after like even now when it's been over 25 years since the film like since Forrest Gump released obviously it's like a classic but the shoe still 25 years later still recognized as the Forrest Gump sneaker yeah and then we have the Nike mags in Back to the Future like the Air Mag in Back to the Future was the first ever like smart self-lacing sneaker obviously for the movie it wasn't real like they didn't have an actual self-lacing sneaker like most of it they did it by editing i think they had a prototype and then in 2011 people always begged nike to create the shoe but the technology was so advanced it took them years to make it and there's documentaries on it and you can see how in the factories the designers are making it and it takes them forever because technology is crazy and then that technology once they actually got it right it evolutionized to Earl, which is Nike's actually like publicly selling self-lacing shoes. Yeah. Back in the 90s, Nike didn't really profit a lot on just making different kinds of sneakers to sell, but they used to make a lot of sneakers like, like mock-ups for movies like Batman and Back to the Future. Like that, that was their, their way to make special edition stuff. So they went back to it like 20, 30 years later and decided to bring it back to the public because I'm sure people were, were asking for it for a lot of years until they decided to bring it out, no? It's the way that Nike has put it out. Like it's never been an official like worldwide release. So it's been always a hassle to get one of those. So if you got one of those, you either got like a lot of money or you're really, really, really well, well connected. So it's really something that is kind of like a staple in, 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 in terms of sneaker collectors even if you don't like it you want to have it just to prove to everybody that you have something that practically nobody, nobody else has this now they resell for ridiculous like thousands and thousands like 10,000 15,000 the the self-lacing pairs that there's only 89 they resell obviously for a lot more than the non-self-lacing pairs Mm -hmm. but yeah they're they're crazy like they light up they have all the lights they have charger like and the box is crazy like it's huge obviously the shoes are huge they're like they go almost up to like your knee yeah 
And I like that. I like how it's like niche enough for people that actually, actually like want them for whatever reason, for name, for the flex or for or because maybe they love the the Back to the Future film and they fantasize about having those shoes like since they were kids, you know, and I think that's really cool. But I think specifically with like the Nike mag, I think it's it's a lot of hype. Like, I think most people that have them don't really care about them with the film. It's just so much hype that's behind them. Yeah, and but imagine, imagine how cool it must feel to be like a kid when that movie came out and then be like, oh, I like, I would give everything for a perp. Yeah. Like, yeah, and I think it's uh, really important to acknowledge these people that are putting endless hours into making costumes and thinking about how everything is gonna work in the film visually they're often maybe not overlooked but not given given enough but it's literally like one of the most visually like attractive elements in the film like you you have to look at it like no matter what you have to like be staring at the characters be staring at what they're wearing and it's it's such an important part and it creates like a whole a whole nother layer of character and personality and the way it connects to the viewer as well like in all of these movies that we just talked about if the if the costume design were different then your experience would also be completely different we wouldn't be talking about about it how we're talking about it now yeah. yeah exactly and I feel like that underappreciation it's like the same reason why Adidas like take took so long to release the Sisu sneakers or why the the suits were never released or you know yeah sneakers like sneakers profit from movies but at the same time movies really really like profit and take the success of certain kind of items in fashion to be relevant too. Like there's people that know a movie because of a shoe and not the other way around, you know? Like mm-hmm. like stuff like, I don't know, he got game with Denzel Washington. He really, they really put a lot of effort in the way they chose every pair of basketball shoe that's in the movie. So, so like you're dragging people from sneakers to go see your movie. You know what I'm saying? If you're a sneakerhead, you will be looking for the sneakers everywhere. So you might not be really into movies, but you definitely will see a movie where you see a sneaker that you like in the poster, you know? Yeah, also in Do The Right Thing by Spike Lee, shoes are like incredibly important and very much yeah. um, put into frame. Like, yeah, because uh, especially black culture is really sneaker sneaker centered. So Spike Lee is all about that. And and also Spike Lee used to do a commercial for the Jordans. So it's like a lifetime uh, partnership between him and Jordan and Nike. Like they they in the culture together. And so yeah, it's it's something that they always been doing. I think it's very important to recognize how black culture has influenced film and influenced fashion. And often big brands profit from the culture, the cult, the culture without maybe not giving enough recognition. recognition. Black culture is the thing that has made sneakers what it is today. 
it would not absolutely not be the same. So it's very important to give that recognition, both in sneakers and both in film, because yeah, because people like they they bring they bring personal style into whatever they do. If, if it's film, if it's sport, like they 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 give stuff a new meaning because of the way that they wear it. You know, like they are willing to go the extra mile to have their personal style in the in the craft that they do. So that, that's what helped also sneakers get out of the athletics and, and and get into lifestyle and art and movies and everything. Definitely. Like it is what brought them together, definitely. Flo, have you ever had any like personal experiences where you've been making a project and the fashion or the sneakers that your characters are wearing has like very like been very meaningful or impacted a lot what you've done well i, I i'm gonna say maybe not sneakers because most of the work i do it's 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 more conceptual and i have a lot of nudity and maybe more plain clothing because i for me it's more about the the staging and the the light and everything else and more more like the idea not really the the personal elements but it, it is extremely important like to think about what the what your character is going to be wearing for me is always the most difficult thing because it changes the whole concept like if you if you make your character character wear a certain type of shoes like it turns into more it turns into something completely different you can see it can be seen as like a fashion like a fashion film so it's very important to think about all these elements and how much like how much time they stay on the like on frame because it can give the idea like it can change the idea completely exactly and i think clothing and shoes as well like they really change the attitude that your character has like can completely change how the audience sees your characters and how they act definitely Now that you say that about the nudity, do you remember that movie George George, George of the Jungle, George of the Jungle, where he always wore like just a fucking, you know, like a fucking leather piece. Yeah. He was always naked, but, but he got the shoes, and the shoes were so special that it felt like he was wearing a full outfit, just the shoes. Well, Flo, thank you so much for joining us today on Toe to Toe. Your insight has been very very helpful and has very much opened my eyes to how fashion and sneakers are used in film of course thank you for having me it's been a pleasure i love talking to you guys and thank you for teaching me more about uh sneaker history you're welcome whenever you want to come Flo. thank you for joining us well thank you Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next week.